Hi and welcome. This is One Mike Night, a podcast that brings you inspirational and personal stories of artists and their journey in entertainment, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate your path in the business and life. My name is Marcos Luis, and in this episode, I'm very happy to have a guest who is a writer. Uh, she's a poet. She's an actor. She's an artist, and she's an educator. Please welcome Mafalda Chan- Chantra. Did yes. I say that right? Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for taking time out and, and talking to us today. I just want to start. Where are you right now? Um, I am in the southwest of Portugal. Yes, the Portugal. corner of Europe. Europe. The yeah, southernmost, westernmost. Um, point of Europe, yeah. Oh wow, what's what's going on there? What's life like there right now during this time? Um, I have to say it's pretty relaxed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is kind of like a surf nature type um, little town and area, and so it's kind of a small community where people come, you know, in search of a kind of a different lifestyle that is. Um, not so fast and, uh, you know, chaotic as life in the city. So I have to say that for this, you know, Corona crisis, I couldn't have been in a, in a most, in a more like peaceful, um, place. So within, you know, certain restrictions, life feels pretty normal. I have to say, you know, people still go to the beach and, um, go out and stuff. Um, it's mandatory to wear masks though in, okay, in, in right. Europe. So it's, you have to in, in closed spaces. So I think, you know, pretty much everybody just abides by that, um, rule and social distancing, of course. Um, but yeah, it's was pretty, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I have to say. Good. Was it ever, was it ever closed down at any point or was it always just sort of at a, just a slower pace with more precaution and uh, like no, we did have a lockdown pretty early on mm-hmm. because of what happened in Italy so early, you know. So basically what they did is the government um, locked the country down, um, you know, as a prevention. So things never really escalated to be so, you know, bad, basically. Wow. Like um, the lockdown was imposed mid-March till um end of may base or beginning of may and then may was kind of gradually reopening and then june pretty much um we entered the phase in which we're now where you know big events and stuff are all canceled but you can meet and uh, people can gather up to 20 20 people i think at, the, at this point that's great i think the u.s should have uh <laughs> followed suit on that uh right away but unfortunately we didn't and, uh, you know, it put us in sort of a different state of uh, emergency than that. Definitely. I mean, from yeah. what I could, you know, because I was in the U.S. in March. And so I felt the complete, you know, extreme of people back home were already, you know, you know, under lockdown and measures were already being um, uh you know, applied by the governments, whereas in the U.S. everything seemed pretty, you know, normal. So I think that was the thing with the U.S. It was pretty late, you know, in terms of action. And then, you know, once once things have escalated to the point that they've escalated and, you know, especially because in the U.S., you know, the healthcare system as well is, you know, an issue and stuff. So uh, I think some of those things are really, you know, some of the issues in the U.S. are really coming forth at this point in time, you know. The, the, the issues that were, you know, beneath the surface of, you know, this idea of the country as being, you know, the land of the free and the global leader, et cetera, you know, and some, you know, and there's a, there was a lot of stuff hidden, you know, and I think that's why also the Black Lives Matter uh, movement also gains um, importance at this time. Uh, and it all kind of adds up, I think. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I do want to talk about that a little later. I do want to um, kind of scroll back a little bit and find out where where were you born? What's 
So I was born, I was born in Lisbon. Yeah, in Lisbon, Portugal is the capital of Portugal. Portugal is, uh, you know, a smaller country in um, Europe. I would consider it like the California of Europe, I would say, you know, people are pretty laid back. Um, I am also mixed race. So my mom and uh, my mom's uh, family is from Cape Verde, which is a former Portuguese colony. Um, it's a group of islands uh, right off the coast of um, West Africa. Mm -hmm. um, pardon me. So I come from a mixed background. I mean, obviously, I grew up um, traveling around a, a lot, you know, besides having that mixed cultural um, heritage. Um, so I lived in uh, Brazil, in London, Argentina, the U.S. Um, as well. My parents also uh, lived in Africa uh, in Angola as well. And I spent quite a, some time there. Um, so I would say that I consider myself pretty much a cultural hybrid, um, in that, in that, uh, sense. And I think that that really feeds into my work, um, mm, yes. and my, uh, writing. Um, and, um, it really, I mean, growing up like that, I think it really gave me this, um, sense of, you know, uh, of, of connecting with hum humanity as a whole, yes. you know, and yes. not being like bound to the borders of my country or the color of my skin or whatever, you know, like what is it, you know, it kind of set me out off on a, like a journey, a quest to really understand what it is, what is it really to be human, you know, which I, I'm, and I'm not alone <laughs> on this right. journey. I think, yeah, of course, I think art is also a lot about that, about going on that journey within yourself and then creating something out of that, right? Like exploring Absolutely. what it is to be human and then, you know, showing it to the world, some, you know, creating, making something, right? Because we're also creative beings, I believe, you know, naturally. And right. um, it's, yeah. it's interesting because I always say that um, traveling is probably the best education you can have. And it's because of the reasons you just said. You connect with humans. It's humanity. You learn so much about, you know, who you are other people. And, you know, uh, it's humbling, it's uh, eye opening, you know, there are a lot of things that go along with it. So to express that through your art, it's amazing. If you can take all that in, absorb it, and then have some way to express it. It's beautiful. That's where the art comes from. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that is, I think, yeah, the, the, the beauty, that is the beauty in art, I find that it's, that you can um, make something out of it, you know, that you can take that experience, you can take those take feelings, you can take what you're learning and, 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 and you, can, you can make something. And that process of creation as well and of sharing that with others, you know, because ultimately art is also to be shared, right? Um, right. Uh, I think also feeds into this um, connection again, you know, with mm -hmm. others and, and, and with what it means to be, human and it really also i think ties into empathy and 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 yes. compassion you know and being able to put yourself in another person's um shoes and breaking free from these um limitations that are imposed on us by whatever you know where it, wherever wherever it is that you were born or what kind the kind of education you received and understanding that there are so many perspectives you know in life and that there's not only one way to be or to do to do things Right. And I love that because I think living and growing up in Europe, uh, you know, you have access to so many different cultures within a short time span. So I think if you're able to travel, Europeans kind of have it good because, you know, you're in Spain one minute and then the next minute you're in France, mm -hmm. you know, and, it, and you get to experience so many different cultures in a short amount of time. And I find that a lot of people travel there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it becomes more of a uh, of yeah, put more part of your culture. You know, you do yes. it since you're young. You know, because it's more accessible, of course. Yeah, right. And the fact that you're exposed to different languages as well. You know, in such a, a small um, geographic location. You know, um, mm -hmm. that also really you know helps you to understand the 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 differences in terms of how people see life and approach life and. Um, their experiences growing up. Uh, but I think that the U S also has that in a different way, right? Because the U S also is just, is so rich in terms of, um, 
different cultures and different nationalities. And um, I think there's also a big amalgamation of, you know, experiences. And I mean, it's so just so huge, just such a vast territory, like different parts of the U.S. are completely different from other parts of the U.S. You know, it's. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it is, but I think in terms of maybe languages, uh, I mean, I guess it's it's diverse, but you you're not submerged, you know. Yeah. You you still have to you still speak English as a primary language, even though it's not the official language of this country. You know, English is everywhere, so people you can you can get by uh, somewhere else just by speaking English. But if you go yeah. to say Germany, yeah, there's some English there, but you're submerged in a different culture. If yeah. you're coming from Spain, or if you're coming from yeah you know, Paris or, or wherever you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. I want to know what growing up overseas, what was your perspective of the United States? What was oh, the perspective like? that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a difficult question. Um, I think that, I mean, uh, my perspective isn't necessarily, I think, the perspective that all Europeans have. I think that's important to like make a distinction. Um, mm -hmm. Because I grew up um, wanting to be an actor and interested in acting and going to acting in schools and taking acting classes and stuff, a part of me was fascinated by the industry, you know, both in Hollywood and, 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 and in New York both yes. theater and film and being from a place like Portugal. So Portugal within Europe is not a, a country that does have such, um, such a strong industry. Um, and so for me, I kind of, I was fascinated by that and I admired that side. Then at the same time, it also represented kind of somehow this extreme of capital capitalism, you know? And so yes. there's this view and this is where I do share some of the opinions of most, I guess, Europeans in, in my view of the U.S., which is there's a very big cultural difference in terms of what it means to have a welfare state and what education mm. means and, and, and yes. health care, you know. And so I think that I also saw the U.S. as quite unfair in that sense. You know, for us, it's very shocking that somebody would be denied health care. You know, that's something that we grow, I grew up with as being just something that's my right, you know. Like right, if I yeah. am sick, I can go to the hospital, you know, no matter what. You know, right. um, so I that that kind of view as well. I had that kind of view, um, but then yeah, as well, like as a is you know a global power somewhere where it's it's you know maybe the best of what we have, but also maybe the worst of what we have. You know, yeah, I, right. I think that's kind of like the image that I had. You have you know amazing things are done you know on in all fields in the U.S. You know in science and art and technology. And it's like, you know, an innovation, it, it has been an innovation hub, but at the same time, also um, areas like uh, the military wars, you know, the U S is always, you know, has always been involved. So I think actually to sum up my view, what was always very contradictory, you know, on the one hand, right. there's, there were so many things that I admired. Um, and then on the other hand, a lot of stuff that maybe didn't, doesn't align with, uh, my views or, or my values, you know? Right. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that it takes something like this, like a pandemic to make people realize that the important things are healthcare, food, shelter. And those are the basic needs that most people should have, have met here in the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, people are losing housing right now, you know, which should never happen because of the pandemic, because we're out of jobs. Uh, you know, people can't even get COVID testing done. You know, we, uh, just so many different factors and, that are important yeah, 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 that yeah. should be. Mm -hmm. That should be, and especially given that, you know, an, uh, another thing that I think is interesting to look at in terms of the difference between Europe and the U.S. is that people work a lot in the U.S., you know? Yes, a lot absolutely. more than in Europe, you know? More hours, less, less holidays, like, so... It's kind of like, that's why people are working and paying taxes, you know? It, mm -hmm. People have the right to have these needs met. That's why the government is there, you know? That's Absolutely. its job. Like, it's to protect the people. That's why we elect, you know, officials to represent us, to represent our needs, right? Like, right, um, yeah. So it just seems like it's a little uh, twisted, you know? The system is it really, is. like, tilted in favor of a few, Um yeah, it's 
not right, in my opinion. <laughs> my opinion either. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, once again, it's it's this whole pandemic that makes you reconsider if you hadn't thought about it before. You know, if you're middle class, maybe, you know, you're working and you can afford a little health care and a little this and a little that. But it's this thing that makes you realize the important things are food, shelter, you know, uh, human connection, um, all these things that are important that we don't we as Americans, especially you know, for those of you who are listening, this show is broadcast in New York. Living in New York, you know, we have a hard time doing. Most people here have two jobs. Of course. But you that's, know, you know, it's, exactly. Right. And the thing is that, it, you know, when you keep people busy, people don't have the time to they even sit time. down and question um, or to reflect on what's going on. Right. Because you're just right. running from job to job. You're just running to try and get make ends meet. Um, so you're constantly running on survival mode, right? And that's a great way to keep people small, right? Yes. To keep people from mm -hmm. understanding that they actually have the power and that they're, they're actually living in a very unfair um, system where they're, you know, they're being denied basic rights, you know, which it's, um, but I think, and in that sense, actually, it's not just in Europe, um, sorry, in the, in the US that that's happening. I think that that's happening also in Europe as well, maybe not to such an extent, because I guess the US is pretty extreme. But I think people here are also, you know, kind or some people are kind of um, uh, waking up because of this, um, because of this uh, global pandemic, you know, and understanding what 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 is really important, and that we are actually being distracted, right? And that a lot of the, the tactics that are used in politics in the media are just distraction tactics, you know, to keep us away from focusing on the real issues, you know, and focusing on the ways that our lives are really um, being uh, almost harmed to, 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 uh, to a, you know, almost like it's, right, it's yeah. actual almost harm because to deny a human being, you know, basic rights is harming. It's, right. you know, it's harmful behavior. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right. And I feel like right now it's, it's almost a struggle between the haves and the have nots. You know what I mean? Like the have the people who have things, they're not really affected by it. They don't care about the the healthcare, you know, because mm -hmm. they have insurance already. They have mm -hmm. they can afford to pay those things. They're living okay. They don't have to worry about where food is coming from. The have-nots, on the other hand, you know, you have food shelters. You have people passing out food so you can get a meal. You have people applying for you know, uh, human resources for the first time in their lives. You have people losing houses. You have businesses shutting down. Mm -hmm. You know, and all at what, you know, shouldn't the government be stepping in to help a little bit more? Where are these funds being allocated? Are they being allocated to things that we don't necessarily need? Cut back on the military. You know what I mean? Like we're at such a state right now that people need help. That's the important thing. That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. where do I we turn? Yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, I think that this kind of conversation always leads me to a point of kind of trying to understand what I can do and what my role is in this. And if you think about art, I think that, you know, art is also about, you know, it, it is also about expression. It is also about yes. using our voice to, um, talk about what is real right what it is to be human and in this in, in a time like this this is what it is to be human it's to 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 start becoming aware that there is an entire system that is working against the majority of the people you know um, exactly. and and it's i just hope that enough of us start waking up so that we can start making changes in our lives that are more aligned with that uh with those with that understanding that we do have power you know and that that power is taken away from us by the governments that are there supposedly to um represent our interests you know and it's kind of you know it's it's it's, it's one of those moments especially because of the climate crisis as well it's one of those moments, one of those crucial moments, I think, is to be alive because uh, it's like we either wake up or the system is going to crash, you know, or it, it is crashing already, I think, right? Like the, yeah, it is, like, right. Like the problems are being revealed, which we're starting to understand, you know, that we have like abuse of power going on, like on a systemic level in all kinds of areas, you know, in all yes. kinds of ways. Yes. Um, 
it's it's really like the matrix you know almost. it is it is <laughs> listen you're taking me to church right now you know how they say you're taking me to church right now yeah. listen i want to <laughs> i'm going to sidestep and add on to that so we were talking a little bit before you were saying you know biracial how was it growing up biracial in europe was it was there ever did you ever uh, come into any problems was there ever an issue with it yeah, I mean, I have to say, you know, Portugal has a colonial past, right? Mm -hmm. So the Portuguese um, had colonies in Africa. Um, and these colonies really only became independent in the 1970s, you know? Right. Um, so let's say Cape Verde, where my grandparents are from, was still Portugal, you know, until 19, in, in, until the, the 70s. Um, so... But at the, so there is a, a cultural past w around uh, slavery and mm -hmm. there are racial tensions and racial issues, but Portugal is not a particularly violent country, you know, so we don't have so we don't have issues around, you know, guns and stuff like that. So what happens in Portugal is that the racism is there, but it's a lot more subtle. And so what, mm. what's happened is that it's just been unspoken, you know, for a really long time until it started, you know, it was beginning in the past couple of years to be a little bit spoken about, but really not that much. And then this year with what happened in the U.S., people here mm -hmm. also kind of took that as an opportunity and as an inspiration to start demonstrating and to, and to start using their voices and speaking up. And so the issue in Portugal is more about, you know, really uh, the system and whites denying the existence of racism and denying that yes. this country is a racist country. There is complete right. denial of that. Um, and, uh, and I think that, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're, I'm glad that we're starting to talk about it because it's, it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge issue. Like we have immigrants. So when the countries became independent, obviously we received a lot of immigration from these colonies, right? So we have a large part of a large population of Cape Verdeans, people from Guinea, Angola, Mozambique. So all the, the African colonies that live here that are basically uh, kept in a lower social, social, socioeconomic class and right. are given, um, you know, the jobs and the opportunities that are available to them are usually in construction, uh, cleaning services. Uh, it's very hard for people to get, you know, credit, to get access to credit, access to education. There's discrimination by the police. We do have an issue around the police. It's not, it's just slightly different from the U.S. because of, people don't necessarily get killed. Um, mm -hmm. Blacks basically are beaten up, you harassed know, and harassed. Up. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. But sure. for the first, I mean, for the first time, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, um, yes, there was, you know, a racist, it's all, it's still a little fresh and emotional for me, but there was um, a racist crime committed in Lisbon. So actually a black actor was um, murdered in the street. Um, this was, yeah, a couple of weeks ago um, by um, a, a white man. And the, yeah, the, the crime was uh, racially charged 100% and was premeditated um, as well. Um, and so how did the country respond? So that's the thing. Uh, most people continue to deny the existence mm. of uh, racism. There are some who are standing up, um, but it's still very, you know, it's just so widespread. It's, I don't even know how we're going to move forward from this because it's, there's just such a, a, such a, you know, the Portuguese were the ones who began slavery, uh, right. uh, who began African slavery, like slavery existed already in the world, but it was the Portuguese who first got to Africa and who decided they were going to engage in this, in these activities. They were the ones who then uh, convinced or not convinced, but, you know, spoke to the, the Dutch and the English to start doing the same and then began the transatlantic slave trade. Um, so, Racism is completely embedded into the Portuguese culture. It's even more so, I think, than the U.S. because it's less spoken about. Because we're more 
um, laid back. And so we don't get, people don't get riled up about stuff. But, you know, I grew up in, with comments, you know, flying around, like it was, nor it's normal to compare Africans to monkeys. Uh, yeah, it's, it was right. normal to, um, uh, make all kinds of degrading and humiliating comments and, uh, jokes about Africans being uneducated, you know, uncivilized, um, prone criminals, basically. Uh, so there's just so much prejudice and it's just so ingrained and it's just so much a part of the system that, yeah, I mean, I think this is the beginning of it, but we have a long way to go. And the way I see it, yes, there's a couple of people that, that, that stand up, but most people, I mean, even people in my family, um, I myself, you know, feel very much a part of, you know, I understand both sides in, it, I mean, there is no sides on this matter. I don't want to be misinterpreted in the sense I understand what it's like to have both white blood and black blood. That's what I mean. And sure. so it weighs on me in that sense of, mm -hmm. of, of, how can I say, of people being, of, of being part of this white culture as well, you know, of being, yes. it, 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 it also, I really feel the sense of responsibility in that sense, you know, because sure. I carry that that history as well, you know, because it's inside me too, you know, because right. my ancestors were, were on both sides of the, both uh, sides. Uh, on both sides. That's what I mean by both sides. I really right. want to be clear because I don't think there are two sides to this matter. What's so, you know, there are, there are not two sides to this matter, you know, on human right. rights issues. I don't think people get to have, you know, a difference of opinion because it's not about opinion, you know, it's about ethics and values and right. it, it's, it's and on so a different plane. Yeah. On a whole different plane. And so I guess the question is, is, you know, we talk about it and you people say you open the conversation and so forth, but what are the actions do we that we take to rectify this? Now I know like here in the United States, we're going through a lot, you know, the George Floyd case sparked mm -hmm. a whole civil rights movement. And hopefully this will be a prototype for, you know, the globe, for the world. Because we all know, like you said, the slave trade happened all over the Caribbean. It happened other parts of the world, South America, you know, Mexico. What, you know, what actions can we take to stop or to, uh, do we have reparations? That's a bill that's floating around right now. I just did a podcast about reparations, you know, with the HR 40 bill that mm -hmm. passed in North Carolina, where people of African American or African descent receive repayment for the slavery. Mm -hmm. Is that the solution? How do we distribute it? Who gets it? Who do you determine is black? How do we restructure our system? You know, here in the States, we are, we are trying to do police reform. New York in particular jumped in on day one, restructuring the police, taking money away, allocating it to urban communities, you know, uh, uh, boys and girls, youth, you know, facilities. Mm -hmm. What do we do? What actions do we take? You know, it's not going to happen overnight. I think that's where we are right now. Who knows yeah. the answer? Yeah, exactly. And I think it has to be, you know, an open dialogue, right? It is mm -hmm. a process. It is, you know, a transformation that has to occur in the system from such deep levels. And I think then you have to go case by case. I really think right. it's uh, really amazing that these conversations are being had now in the U.S. And I'm glad that uh, people are following suit in Portugal. I think we are miles, you know, away from that still here. Uh, honestly, I have to say. And so I'm, but, but I'm, I agree that you, conversations need to be had on uh, the practical level as well. Yes, and I think, right. but I think, because I th also think that I think what you're saying is right. I don't know if direct economic repayment is enough. Mm -hmm. So I don't, that's my opinion, just because I don't think that, uh, that, that it could be part of it, but I part think that, it, yes. but, but, but I think that there has to be also a big investment in schools and in yes. education in general Absolutely. to go to the stem and to the root cause of the issue, you know, and exactly. this is something that I really feel strongly about because, you know, the way history is taught, the way things are taught in the classroom are perpetuating this vision or this idea that black people are genetically 
inferior, you know, like we, and we need to say it like this because that's what the system perpetuates. It perpetuates this myth, right? This absolute lie that somehow, um, you know, blacks are not, you know, as capable of this or that, that they are, you know, somehow genetically uh, tend to be more engaged in more criminal behavior, which is bollocks. Because if, if right. you actually taught history as it, as it actually occurred and not glorifying, you know, genocide and rape and murder and, you know, abuse and all that stuff, you know, then you would, we would understand that it, it, it wasn't all, all, it wasn't the white people that were, you know, the white males that were, you know, uh, acting in name of progress and evolution, you know, quite on the contrary, they were leaving a legacy of absolute destruction, you know? And so, yeah, I think a lot of it starts, uh, starts there with really. Absolutely. And this is the perspective that people need to know because we were growing, you know, as growing, growing up here in the States, you're taught that perspective. There's a lot of, you know, African-American history that's coming out now I had no idea about even this conversation that I had on the episode before with uh, Sammy Sanchez about reparations. Mm-hmm. This was something I didn't know anything about. I had to do research, you know, always growing up, you hear, oh yeah, reparations, 40 acres and a mule. What the hell did, where did the hell did that come from? I don't know. So I do the research that actual a uh, 40 acres and a mule started in 1865 from general William T. Sherman, who, who, who proposed a bill that black people would receive reparations, would receive 400,000 acres of land subdivided into 40 acres mm-hmm. that was governed by the military, protected by the military, and then was later, the following year, overturned by the president. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, this history was never even taught. Who, like, Exactly. I, I didn't even know this. Of course, stuff. because because of course, because it's not in the interest of the people in power Ex- that right. you know that we become aware that aware of these things. Of, of these things because then it'll you know implant the idea that maybe maybe already back then somebody was understanding that something was up, right? That something was right. wrong and yep. that it wasn't right, and mm-hmm. that blacks deserved compensation for all the horrors they they all were being the- put. Th- put through right um right. as a as a community um mm-hmm. and so that's not you know and, and so they try to the, they try to deny it they want to keep people in the dark they don't want to they don't want to they don't want people to be aware of this stuff you know and i think that's also why you know a lot of figures then uh get killed you know i don't think it's a it's it's a coincidence that martin luther king got killed you know i, I, I really either. don't think I so agree. i think I that either. When people are, you know, standing up against these power structures and when people support them, um, they have the support of the people, they become a threat to the system that is in place, right? And so they're to be eliminated. Absolutely. Uh, And it's not like... Along with that, you know, even even in the 60s where you have these, you know, African-American actors who are blackballed from Hollywood because they're suspected you know, communist and, and, you know, civil rights leaders and things like that, it goes along with it too. They want to eliminate these people. They want to stop these people from, you know, saying the truth. Of course, because if and, they come to be, you know, and achieve their full potential, they are going to be living proofs that this whole system is built on a massive lie, you know, which is that, you know, that blacks are somehow below or that, mm-hmm. that we live in a color grading system, whatever, where white is at the top and black is at the bottom, and then you know everything in between goes on this on this um, uh, on this scale, you know. And it, yeah, it's just it's just a lie. It has no base whatsoever, and it's just None. there to keep feeding this system of oppression because we have certain people. It's a group of people, I think, you know, a small elite um, that is unwilling to give up uh, power. Right. And they want to have power and, 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 and money. And they they really it seems like they have no remorse and um, they don't do not. They are incapable of empathy or compassion or whatever, you know, or any of those uh, emotions. And they care only about uh, serving their own personal interests, their own personal needs. Right. As I said before, the haves and the haves not have not. Exactly. Exactly. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but so I want to talk. I want to sidestep real quick because Mm -hmm. um, you have a video where you do a beautiful testimony on race. Yes. Yeah. What was (laughs) what sparked that whole thing? 
Um, so it was right around, you know, after um, the murder of George Floyd and uh, uh, it, it, you know, it really, this, you know, like I said, I'm biracial. I grew up in a racist country. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've, you know, not only have I experienced it in my life, I am also then very compassionate towards, you know, this specific, you know, I, you know, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think there is a group of people that has been more exploited and more abused than the black community all over the world. That is my opinion. Mm, um, yes. That is the way I feel. Um, sure. Really, as a group of people, I am not denying harm, you know, has not been done to other communities, of course. I mean, that is not even a question, but just the extent, the length, the extreme um, to which uh, the black, I mean, it's just um, unspeakable, the, the, the harm that it causes and the generational trauma that, that gets passed down, that has been passed down, you know, for the past 400 years um, is horrific. I really find it horrific. And I, it has always been a sensitive topic for me and something that I really, all my life, I've tried to live according to my integrity of, um, you know, not shying away from discussing this topic and not shying away from talking about it and using my voice and calling people out. And it really, uh, it's sensitive to me for me as well, because I was never taken seriously, you know, and mm. I'm, you know, about to be 27. I've been talking about this since I was a kid, you know, and in all kinds of conversations and all kinds of contexts, you know, I've, you know, people have denied that there is an issue, you know, yes, and that right, is something that right. really breaks my heart because it's not just that there is an issue is that people aren't even being respected enough to be, to be acknowledged in their pain. And that is to me so disrespectful and so, uh, you know, cruel on a human level to deny somebody their pain. I mean, not only does, you know, does this community have to feel and endure this pain, they're also denied having that pain. I yes, mean, yes. you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pretend that I'm not, you know, it's, that is completely annulling me as, you know, it's uh, annulling that person, you know, saying you do not matter. Your experience does not matter because right. you don't, you know, it doesn't even exist. Who exactly. are you, you know? And it's like, Whoa, to, to, you know, people can be discriminated for this and that, you know, for all kinds of stuff. But to, for me, discrimination and racism against blacks is the, mo is, is the most profound in, t in terms of, to, of denying someone their humanity. You know, it's wow. like, whoa, it's, it, it, it really is cruel. And, and, and I think that the, the extent of the cruelty is also the extent to which our society is blind to it, you know, because it, it goes so deep. It goes very, so deep. Very deep. Very deep. And, and, and I guess the bottom line is that we're saying, I am here, I'm present, I'm worthy. You know, there's so many things that, you know, need to be said and recognized now, you know, and that's why the change is coming about. And I feel like we are at a pivotal point, at least here in the States, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, uh, people are being very vocal about it. Change is coming. Change is happening on a daily basis. As I said before, New York City is is reforming the police. Uh, they're putting together a, um, a council of of civilians who are here to you know sit down with the police and the government and make the changes and decide what the police are responsible for. Mm -hmm. You know, and how we can be acknowledged in the city and where you know, we can uplift the community. And that's part right. of the reason why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to uplift people and specifically people of color, you know, mm -hmm. um, in, in, in this podcast and give people a platform to speak, impassioned people like yourself and, and know that we're all connected. And one way to express it is through the arts. Exactly. And it's, you and know? it's also, you know, and that's where I think, you know, wow, you know, we're really going to be able to meet, you know, the arts with, you know, the racial issues that we see, because I think it's so important that you, you know, you're having this initiative and, 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 and to uplift people of color as well, because we have to be honest about the fact that people of color do not have 
the same opportunities, you know, exactly. in the mm-hmm. industry. And so it, it is really up to us to kind of create our own platforms. Absolutely. Um, and I love it because, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're, like I said, we're at a pivotal point. There's so many, even black production companies that are being formed right now because we have stories to tell, you know, people of color. And I don't mean just black, I mean, black and brown people. Yeah, you know, yeah. We have stories to tell and they're being, they're being told now production company, Regina King, you know, production company making, mm-hmm. you know, films, Tyler Perry built a studio, you know, all these people are, are, are creating platforms so we can be heard. So our voices can be heard. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I love it. Yeah. It's, it was about, it was about time. I mean, it's way overdue. Way overdue. So, so it's awesome that it, that it, that it, that it is happening. Yeah. Right. So you're also vocal about women's movement. What? Oh what? Yeah. <laughs> you're passionate about a lot of things. That's why I yeah. love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, because it's, you know, yet another system of, of, of oppression, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, and this, it's interesting that you talk about that because then it really brings us back to the issue of privilege, you know, which right. is what privileges do I have? Right. And, um, you know, being a male is a privilege, but then being white is privilege, you know? And so I think that I am really happy that, it's being talked about in this way this time around, you know, um, obviously civil rights movement didn't start this year, mm-hmm. uh, but since it's been a tough ride, obviously it's had waves, right? It's had to come back right. in waves. Exactly. Um, uh, and I think that, yeah, I, I've re or at least my perception is that there's been a greater focus on the issue around um, privilege. And, and so I think that's what I've, what I realize in life is, is, is that, yeah, that as a woman, obviously that means we are less, I have less privilege than a man. Mm -hmm. A black woman will obviously have less privilege than a white woman. Um, I think that a lower income, which, you know, job opportunity. And I think it's just so interesting. It's so linked to the, you know, to the racial issue as well. It's linked, you know, it's, it's about power, right? The system that we were talking about is about, you know, maintaining and, 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 and gaining power. And the system is obviously built around the white male, not saying that all white males, you know, um, are abusing power, but the system itself is a system uh, of white male privilege, right? Um, And uh, that just oppresses and abuses any any groups that may come to have power that may override their power, right? And so women obviously are, I I believe at least, you know, that uh, women are connected to the source of life in a really beautiful way because women are... um, have a uterus and give birth. And there's a whole wisdom that's natural to, to women that was completely downplayed um, and made to seem as uh, lower uh, or lesser um, in order to, you know, perpetuate this idea of male uh, superiority. And yes. the same goes for whites and, 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 and uh, blacks. And I think that that's why I think when we get to it, it's, the, the 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 core of oppression it goes for all you know com- communities that are oppressed it's just that the i think that the black community was up till now the, the community had less recognition for its for the oppression that it feels and it, that it's subjected to you know right. um uh but i think the same thing applies um the things same thing applies to 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 women on to women honestly i mean i think the it, it is very real i think any woman who ha- lives in the system will have experienced uh will have experienced this i think in my particular case the way i've lived it is you know being biracial and then being a woman obviously it's put me in a position where i f- very often feel like i have to prove that i know what i'm saying or prove that i that i'm worthy of being taken um seriously uh and so those are things that yeah that i've definitely that i've definitely had to to face over the course of over the course of my life and the way that i've found to take action about that has been you know 
mostly through my own life and my own connections, empowering the women around me, not allowing them, not allowing this system to divide us, right? And I think that goes for all kind, you know, all communities that feel oppressed, you know, if we are united, we are way, way stronger, you know, so I've, you know, I've, I have myself in check, you know, I don't allow these systems of oppression to then have an influence or at least I'm on the journey to not allowing these systems of oppression to influence me in terms of my beliefs, my conditioned beliefs, you know, in what ways am I keeping myself small, you know, Absolutely. because yeah. I was You're told right. or taught that I, you know, was this, in what ways am I, you know, responsible for uh, not only advocating for the, for communities that are oppressed that I'm not a part of, and on the other hand, in what ways can I also empower myself to, uh, not allow that to have an, a, an effect on me, you know? And I think that's, you know, it comes back to what you're doing with this podcast, which is like, yes, the system is there. And yes, the system is unfair. And we have to change the system. Absolutely. Uh, but I think it. that part of rebelling against the system is also, and wanting to change the system is also understanding that we have within ourselves the power, right? Uh, to, to transform that. To yeah. transform. And I think you hit the nail on the head too. It's unity. And it's also, you know, coming from a single uh, parent household where, mm -hmm. you know, obviously my mother was was the breadwinner. I'm in, you know, I see a powerful woman. So anytime I have a chance to jump on board, say, for instance, I just did a you know, I did a film that had female everything, mm -hmm. woman producer, woman director, woman writer, woman. You know, it's a strong woman situation where I just jump in and I'm there to help. I'm there to support a man helping the women. So you have to be unified. You have to get people on board to help. Yeah, because we are not in, you know, and I think, it, yeah, because we're not in this alone. We are in this together. And it's, mm -hmm. it's precisely by dividing us that this small elite can um, perpetuate all these system, you know, this system of oppression, you know, it's, it's, it's by putting us against each other. And once we understand that we are allies, right, that we are Absolutely. all allies, um, uh, then that holds no power over us anymore. You know, yeah. it has more power because it stems from love. And I think that more and more in my life, I've re realized that 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 is the path, at least for me, is to come from a place of love, a love for myself, a love for, you know, nature, a love for my community um, and not fear because the way they perpetuate the system is through fear you know and when you, you say that it, again yeah, yeah, say yeah. that again that's it you just said yeah, it. fear is the biggest you know it's mm -hmm. the biggest tool they have you know to right. keep us small and to keep us from waking up and from going against uh uh going against their you know this thing they've created <laughs> right the power structure that they've created you got it um, yeah, so just one, uh, I just wanted to say one thing, which is I, you know, I think that with, with, with the, I think it's all connected with the climate crisis, with women, with everything, you know, everything that was seen as closer to nature was deemed lesser, you know, and we mm -hmm. had to go against it. That's also why blacks, you know, are oppressed, you know, because when the Portuguese first got there, you know, the way the, the, First of all, the religions, the, the way in which uh, African communities were living, you know, they were just so much more um, connected, uh, connect, exactly, connected to nature and connected nature, to, yeah. to planet Earth. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then that exactly. was used against them as being something lesser when actually that is not lesser. That is, you know, to evolve is to also be... Uh, in relation and connected to this planet that we live in, you know, and every, all life forms uh, that are on it. So I think that when we wake up to respect women, to respect, you know, uh, blacks and, and, and pe people of color, and when we grow, we also respect our planet. You know, I think it's really all inter, it's all interlinked. Mm, I love that. I love that. Does any of this, how does this manifest in your writing or your art? So um, I think that in my, uh, in my writing, so my writing came about, you know, it really comes about in a very intuitive manner. I think that it's very connected also to my spiritual path. 
because mm-hmm. as the more I realized, you know, that I wanted to be of service in this world and that I wanted my existence to be of service um, to the whole of humanity, um, I also realized that I needed to go on a journey within myself to be able to contribute and to co- contribute uh, through my art. And so I think that I really write from a place of not only what I experience, but also the struggles that I've had on this path, uh, on this path myself, you know, um, because I, I come from a household uh, where there was trauma, a lot of childhood, uh, a lot of childhood trauma. And I understood not only that my art could be an outlet for that, and a way to really um, create something from that pain and, and to create something from that uh, trauma. Mm-hmm. But, also, but also my understanding of life, you know, and that's where I think being a woman, being biracial, having traveled, you know, all over the world, all that also plays into my work but like I said it's all very for me at least it's very intuitive you know when I feel like I am being when there's something that I that must be said you know yes. this mu- right. that must be said that must be uh created um and that and that must ha- somehow be shared because in in that sharing uh something is transformed right and and it's kind of like this sense for me at least to so that all my experience, so that it, so that, that it can be of use, you know, even if, right, yeah. if, even if one person reads it and somehow it resonates with them or it makes them feel a little bit more understood, you know, like, because right. I think that, you know, we build community that way as well to know that we are all struggling, you know, and I think right. art really helps us feel that there are other people out there that are going yes. through the same yes, yes, yes. things as, as we it's- are. And, a dual yeah. purpose. You 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 inspire others with it, and at the same time, it could be used as a healing device for self. For self, exactly. But I think that, right. in, at least in my case, I a lot of my work has been around um, deconstructing these beliefs that my that practicing my art or sharing my art is selfish in a way. You know, mm-hmm. um, that it's somehow linked to my need for you know attention or or for you know. And that it doesn't come from a pure place. And I think that along the way, what I've learned is that uh, if, you know, if some, if how beautiful is it when you are moved by something, you know, when right. something touches you, it makes you feel so alive. It makes you connect to what is really, you know, this rawness of life, you know, what does it really mean to be human and be having these, this experience? And I think art offers that. And so I really try to remind myself that if I, if something that I create can have at least the possibility of, 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 uh, offering a moment like that to someone, then then it's definitely worth, you know, sharing and 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 doing, and and yeah, you were gonna say something? No. No, I, I love that. I was gonna ask you if you have something you can share with us, like a writing or. Oh yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. I'm going to share this one piece that I've never shared on any platform. It is very personal to me. Um, But I think, yeah, I think it's the right one (laughs) to share. Um, Okay. I am more than just my trauma. I am a beautiful soul wrapped up in a mortal body. I am essence, untouched. I am a miracle of strength. For what I've been through is a sort of thing nobody wants to discuss. But I survived all on my own. The child in me had to grow, and she did whatever it took to stay alive. The wisdom of life still boggles my mind, for it's allowed me to thrive against all odds. It's had me draw diagonal lines in order to stand the test of time. 
so that now I'd be able to proclaim, I am a woman, a little girl, a glorious flame, a flickering dame. I am a pure child who was born wild. I am a healer, a feeler, and a fierce warrior. I have enough power to bring down whatever barrier. Oh, I'm thankful, sweet life, for not giving up on me. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. Beautiful words, beautiful choices of words, empowering oh. everything. Thank you. I think it's really wow. an omen to expression, to self-expression, and 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 and, and um, to really celebrating the warrior that lives inside all of us that have had to survive, you know, tough situations, and and that's why it's at on on the one hand, my heart feels so compassionately for anybody undergoing pain, suffering uh, of any kind. But at the same yes. time, I also, it also, the pain and the suffering that I've been through also gives me hope, you know, because right. it has also helped me reach depths, you know, within myself and, and that I probably wouldn't have if I, if I hadn't uh, undergone that. It, you know, I think this is one of these paradoxes in, in life, you know, like if you, really want to know joy, you really also need to know sorrow because you cannot shy away from feeling and, and, and from having emotions from, because that's what also, you know, part of what it is to be, um, to be human. And I just hope that, 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 that it becomes contagious, you know, as I'm working on myself to give myself permission, uh, to celebrate my life, to celebrate what I've been through and to, um, acknowledge, uh, how much already, you know, I, I've, uh, how much I've been through and, and, and the path that I've already walked so that that also gives permission to others, you know, to proclaim, you know, their story, please share right. your story, you know, and that's what art is all about. And I think it's important to talk about these things now, because especially with coronavirus, you know, force people being forced to stop and forced to stop working, you know, it's important to understand that not just, producing, 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 and making money is, you know, what really brings about fulfillment in life, you know? Uh, and there's so much more. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and to share our stories, you know, in, in whatever way, be it through poetry or music or film, or, you know, the arts really allow us to share our stories and by sharing our stories, you know, we can connect with, others and empower others and build uh and build community you know so i hope that yeah that's the thing you know if if you have the courage to step step up make a podcast to discuss the stuff that you you know that really uh ignites your passion and me on the other hand and all the lovely people that we know that that do this kind of work like i think this is it you know this is touching this is the yeah. essence of 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 what it is to make the most of this thing that we call life, you know, this opportunity right. that we're given that no, none of us really know, you know, ultimately where we came from, where we're going, you know, ultimately what happens right. after death. I mean, exactly. It's like, yeah. it's a big mystery at the same time, you right. know, and I think that creating art honors that mystery. And it's about time right. that we start supporting our, each other and like, and, 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 and uh, glorifying that instead of glorifying, you know, having vast amount, amounts of money and, and whatnot, you know? Right. Human connection. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, Mafalda, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And uh, thank you for being on the podcast. And um, now it's time for... Where you at, baby? Baby, where you at? That's my mother. <laughs> she wants to know, how do we get in touch with you? Where can we find you on social media? <laughs> so we can find out more about you and your writing and your art. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my username is Mafalda Chantre. Uh, so just my name. I also uh, teach languages and um, essay writing. And I have a website for that, uh, which is www. Uh, languages and essays um, dot com and yeah Instagram Facebook that's where usually I share uh, my writing hopefully uh, sometime soon I will have a um, poetry collection that 
that I'll be able to um, put on those platforms as well. So yeah, yeah, if you're interested, that's that's where you can find it. Yeah. Well, thank you once again for sharing all that with us. And I'm definitely looking forward to the poetry. And everybody who's listening, you can go to make sure you support Falda. Go to her Instagram page, Facebook page. Also, you can find links to her work on the One Mike Knight Instagram page and One Mike Knight Facebook. One Mike Knight is spelled O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. Make sure you like us and follow us on those social media platforms. And thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Marcos Luis. You can find me on Instagram, Marcos Luis, M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S. If you like this episode, if you know the episodes that you've heard so far, please make sure you subscribe, share, download, leave a comment on all the music platforms. Thank you for joining us. This is One Mike Night, the podcast, hoping we inspired you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.